0: Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time, it's episode 109, and we're going to talk about all the product reviews I've done over the last two years and updates I might have on those various products. And there have been a lot of them. We're also going to talk about why you should wire your solar panels, serial versus parallel or vice versa. We're going to have a product review of the set power fridge. I told you about a few episodes ago and a place to visit. That's actually on Tatooine. Hello everyone. Welcome back. Hoi! uh, I have some business to take care of here before we can jump into the podcast. I've got actually three updates. Okay. Number one. A friend of mine, Facebook friend named Mike from Canada, a very super nice guy, informed me that I gave some very, very bad advice in the last episode. And that advice was to play bird songs in the wild to mess with birds. It turns out that this is a highly frowned upon activity by bird watchers worldwide. And uh, if you use this to see birds so you can add them to your life list, well, that's considered cheating. It's also thought to be bad for the birds. So thank you, Mike, for bringing that to my attention. I will immediately stop doing that. And uh, I've passed that along to everyone so that they can also not do that, despite me suggesting it was a lot of fun in the last episode. Sorry about that. Another. Very useful Facebook person pointed out that there are a lot of scams involving people signing up for courses and how to market yourself and all this kind of stuff. And that was in response to the bonus episode I did on Saturday, where we interviewed Phoebe Millward. Now, to be clear here, there's nothing from Phoebe that has any sign of a scam or anything. She contacted me and offered this information. And at the end, I had to remind her to post her own stuff. (laughs) So she was not trying to scam anyone or anything like that. But it is worth mentioning that there are those scams out there. So if you're going to give money to someone who's going to teach you how to do something, do some homework, make sure they're on the up and up, and uh, just be cautious like you would in anything in life. And lastly, an update on my wonderful, glorious van that is still at the dealer. Yes, I am still vanless, going on nine days now and uh basically i think they were lying to me the whole time they told me it was very difficult to diagnose this problem because it was an ambulance and there was all kinds of stuff in the way and i didn't believe that but i installed an apple air tag in the van and i could tell when they moved it and it didn't move at all until yesterday <laughs> and suddenly yesterday they got it started And they said it was some flaps that weren't responding? I don't even know if that's true. Sadly, I can't trust anything they say at this point. But I did have them replace the glow plugs, and now they're going to replace this other stupid fuel line that always leaks on these sprinters. So I should have my van back today, if I can believe them, which according to the air tag, I probably can't because my van is now currently parked in the back lot where things go to sit. So, if you detect a little bit of grumpiness in this episode like last episode, well, now you know why. But! Let's get on with the episode here. So over the past few years, I've reviewed a whole bunch of stuff. And often I review that stuff after I've used it for a while, but not a long while. You know, I won't just buy something and review it. I'll buy it and use it and then review it. But over time, you come up with different conclusions. And I thought I would share some of those with you and just go down some of the big items that I've reviewed over the last couple of years. First one I want to talk about is the Chin 200 amp hour lithium iron phosphate battery that i got from amazon it was about 750 dollars, i think and i don't know what the current price is i have a love hate relationship with this battery i love the 200 amp hours that's great uh, I love the price. I mean for th- at that time, prices on these things are changing all the time, but at that time, 200 amp hours of lithium for 750 bucks was quite amazing deal. But there's a couple of things I don't love about it, and I don't love them enough that for my circumstances, I would not buy this battery again. The first of these is the C rate. The C rate, which apparently comes from Coulomb's law, is the rate at which a battery can discharge or charge, but I'm worried about the discharge part. My battery has a 100 amp C-rate. That means the maximum the battery can put out is 100 amps. And because it has a BMS, it's actually regulated. The BMS can shut the battery off if it goes over 100 amps. The problem is is when you do math on a 12 volt system, it's not that hard to get over 100 amps. In a normal house, 100 amps is like the entire house, but you're dealing with a higher voltage. When you're dealing with low voltages, amps go up because watts are volt times amps. I mean, that's the simple math here. But all you really need to know is that in a van, you can exceed 100 amps fairly easily if you do something like run a hairdryer or run an electric heater, two things that are very difficult to sustain on a battery, or a water heater, or an electric cooktop, or as in my case, a microwave oven. I have a microwave, it's fine, I love it, but there are times when that microwave will draw more than the 1200 watts, which is 12 volts times 100 amps, and the inverter will shut off and all kinds of bad things will happen. And it's purely because my battery can't put out more power than that. So while 200 amp hours is plenty of capacity for how I use the van, it doesn't put it out fast enough. So for me, personally, it, the battery's a bad choice. And the other part of this battery being a bad choice is that the BMS, the battery management system, will allow you to charge the battery when it's below freezing, and that is how you kill lithium batteries. Right now, it is, and I'm not kidding here, it is negative zero, according to my watch in Chicago. I don't know how that's possible, but... If I were to charge my batteries right now, I would permanently damage them. Now, I have a fuse removed, so it's not possible, but I have to remember to do that. So, eh, a good battery for the price for the capacity, but not great if you're doing a lot of amperage or cold weather. It would have been actually perfect for my NV200 if I stayed down south. Now, for fridges, I've had three fridges now, all of them Chinese 12-volt compressor fridges on the less expensive side, and they've all been great. I've talked about the Alpacool a lot. I bought the smallest Alpacool. It was a decent price, and I used that the entire time I had the NV200 all over the place, and it always performed well. My only complaint about it was there was a lack of documentation. There basically was no documentation, like learning how to change it from Celsius to Fahrenheit was a lot of work. And it didn't keep the temperature in a narrow range. The temperature varied as much as five degrees in either direction, and that's kind of a lot. But other than that, it was great. For the ambulance, I bought a giant Kori. It's 50 something liters, I forget. But it's, it's a very big refrigerator freezer. And that has also worked very well. But I was surprised, that it's mostly freezer with a little tiny refrigerated section and that has been a little bit of a challenge also it's too big it is so tall that sitting on it is uncomfortable and it isn't going to work for my build so i have to figure out what to do with that but now i have a set power aj30 and it is the perfect combination of both of those It's a dual chamber refrigerator that has a colder section and a warmer section. I wouldn't say freezer and refrigerator, but still, you can put your lettuce in the warmer section and your drinks in the colder section, and it's the perfect size to slide under a bed. I'm going to have a better review of that in the review section of this podcast, and yes, this is the fridge that SetPower sent me for free to review, so stay tuned for that. How about the vans I've had? The most current ones are the NV200 and the Sprinter. The NV200, in retrospect, is a brilliant little van. I am pretty convinced now that if you are looking for a small van, the NV200 is the winner there. Super easy to drive, great on gas mileage, and with the tallest ceiling-to-floor ratio of any of the vans. There are many good vans out there, don't get me wrong. The Transit Connects are great. Even the Promaster Cities have their pluses. But the NV200, if you're considering them, they're wonderful. I know they're not made anymore in the US or anywhere in North America, really, but they're very common. It's never hard to find parts, and the parts are cheap. I was really surprised that when someone smashed my taillight, it was only $50 to replace it, and it came with the bulbs. So NV200, full, high marks, a very simple, well-engineered, easy van and uh i miss it because now <laughs> i have a sprinter oh all right so there are three kinds of sprinters out there they are the t1n which is the first sprinter that came over and then there is what's called the ncv3 which is the one i have now and then there are the brand new ones which are different and and they're all basically different vehicles the ncv3s the one i have was the first one that they had the diesel exhaust fluid in and that caused a lot of problems I'm confident that those are fixed with the recalls and you can get a big check and all that stuff is good, but wow, it is so difficult to get anyone to work on this thing and it's so expensive that it's hard for me to recommend Older Sprinters. If you want to get a really old Sprinter and you have a place to work on it yourself, I think a T1N can be a wonderful vehicle for you. But if you don't have a place to work on it yourself, an NCV3 vehicle, that would be up through 2016, is going to be very expensive and very problematic. I am going through this with my dealer right now. They're the largest Sprinter repair shop in the Midwest, and they can't find the time to work on the van. I don't know what to do. That's the bottom line. So, uh, yeah, that's my sprinter review when the thing's running, it's a pretty good van. It has some quirks and maybe I'll do a whole thing about the quirks of the sprinter because it is a little weird. Okay. Another thing I used all the time is the gas one butane propane stove. This is the basic butane cooktop that you can get on Amazon for like 20 bucks, or you can get them at Asian supermarkets. It's the easiest, simplest, most awesome way to cook in a van that I have found. You put in a butane canister, you turn the knob, it clicks and lights itself, and you can control the flame just as much as on a home stove. It's portable. The butane canister lasts for maybe 10 meals, and it has a hose that you can hook up to a propane canister if that's what you want to do. I even had this thing permanently installed in my ambulance to pass the RV test for the state. I love it. It's wonderful. I have nothing bad to say about it. Yes, they can be a little bit dangerous if you put too big of a pot on it. But for the price, it is the easiest, simplest, cheapest way to cook in your van and I really recommend them. Submersible pump versus the traditional RV pump that is a pressure pump. I had no problems with my submersible pump. It was fairly inexpensive, and a submersible pump is just what it sounds like. You drop it into a water tank, and a hose comes out of it, and it pumps water. You have to apply electricity to it to have the water come on. I mean, that's how it works. So you either need to install a switch. In fact, you don't need a faucet. You can just have a pipe and a switch, and that will work. Or you can get a fancy SureFlow faucet that has the electric switch built in, which is what I had. I had no problems with this thing. It was great. There were a couple little issues with the hoses kinking, but that's my fault for using two flimsy hose. And the biggest problem I did have with it is that my water froze and the pump was frozen in this block of ice. So I had to defrost all the ice before I could use the pump again again, totally my fault. But the good news is that it survived it. Now, the traditional pressure pumps, the kind you'd find in RVs, where your entire water system is always pressurized and a drop in pressure triggers the pump to work, that's what I have now, it is also fine. It's a little bit different installing it. You have to be a lot more careful and it's a lot more complicated because all your fittings need to be completely tight and of course it makes that noise that a lot of people don't like. But it also works fine. So either of those is great. You don't have to spend a lot of money on your water pump. Now, the dog pool shower. I made a video about how to shower in any van or car, and it's basically to use a USB powered shower head and a dog pool. And you sit in the dog pool, because in the nv 200, there's no way I'm standing up. And you do a shower like that, and the dog pool catches all the water, and then you can drain it outside, or you can use the pump to drain it into a gray water tank if you want to totally flexible, completely works. And honestly, I think it's still a great solution for a very little bit of money. And I think more people should look into this because why build a permanent shower in your van when you're taking up a whole bunch of space that's only going to be used for a few minutes a day at most? doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. So for smaller vans, boy, take a look at the dog pool video that I will have posted in the show notes. The Valentuna bed. My van tour of the NV200 is a super popular video, and a lot of people talk about this bed. And what the bed is, it's a piece of a sectional from Ikea from the Valentuna line that is basically an ottoman, and then the rest of the bed slides out from the front like a drawer, and you flip over the mattress, and boom, you've got a bed. It's a great solution for small vans. I loved this bed. It was comfortable. It was easy to use, easy to clean even. I really have no complaints about it at all. My understanding is that they may be discontinuing these things, and the price has gone way up on them. They're like $450 now, but it was a perfect solution for my NV 200, and I still recommend it. Okay, the Boss Audio BCPA 10RC Apple CarPlay, Android Auto Car Multimedia. The stereo I put in the ambulance is actually really good. This is a single DIN stereo. That means it only takes up one spot, which means it will fit in any vehicle. With a giant touchscreen that's on a swivel... It's a perfect retrofit stereo for any van. It's really quite good. I have minor quibbles about it. For example, there aren't any hard buttons to forward to the next track, but it does have a volume knob, which is really nice. For the price, I mean, these things are less than $300, and they come in two sizes. It even comes with a backup camera. That is brilliant. So, yes... These are wonderful. I do recommend them. I've had really no problems with them at all. One pro tip, if it starts acting weird, there is a reset button underneath it that you can press with a ballpoint pen or something like that, and that will probably solve any problems you have. So, yes, love that. The Combo DC-to-DC DC charger and MPPT solar charger, the A10 power that I've talked about in like six episodes, no, don't recommend it at all, don't get separate dc to dc charger and separate solar panel that was a lesson i learned it seemed like it was too good to be true and in fact it was so i can't recommend that at all i'm still using mine as a dc to dc charger because it's already installed but i wouldn't do it again so oh well oh and for heat so the olympian wave 3 heater which is what I've got. This is like, you're probably more familiar with Buddy Heaters or Mr. Heaters. This is basically a bigger one of those that has the option of wall mounting it or being on a stand. And it's better in many ways because it has a lower power setting and i was able to heat my nv 200 all night long on a single can of propane a single one pound can which is not possible with the buddy heaters and for that reason alone i think the olympian wave 3 is probably one of the better catalytic heaters but it does not come with all the attachments you need to hook up gas to it even if you're using a 20 pound can of propane it still doesn't come with all the hoses so you have to pay for that as well but it works really well i haven't installed in my ambulance now but it has the problems of all catalytic heaters it produces a lot of moisture and the heat is very directional if you're standing right in front of it you'll get toasty warm but if you're to the side it's going to be cold it's kind of like a fireplace in that regard However, it's going to work well for a lot of builds, so yeah, Olympian Wave 3 or 5 or 8 as they go up in size, pretty good. A little bit expensive, but still good. And finally, the ambulance. I don't have enough time to talk about that, but folks, let me tell you, if you're looking into buying an ambulance, absolutely make sure you have a place to work on it and you are totally comfortable with looking at 900 unlabeled wires and figuring out where they go you have to have those things at a minimum ambulances will save you no time in your build this is what i've learned and i kind of suspected what it will do is give you a project to modify rather than starting from scratch and that can be easier for some folks and it gives you really high build quality for the stuff that's already in there would i do it again Eh, maybe, but I'm always going to warn people against it. So there, there's updates for a lot of the stuff that I've reviewed here. If you have something that you want an update on, please let me know and I can do it in a future episode. I look forward to reviewing more products. Tech Talk. I've talked about this before. I'm going to talk about it again because a lot of people have questions about this. When you wire your solar panels, should you do it in serial or parallel? now if you have only one panel this question doesn't make any sense but if you have more than one panel there are two ways to hook them up just like there are two ways to hook up multiple batteries you can basically wire them in serial which will increase the voltage or you can wire them in parallel which will increase the amperage both have their benefits Most people these days recommend that you wire in serial, because that will increase the voltage, and that will allow the panels to produce more power in low light, and as long as you have a good quality MPPT controller, those extra volts will get converted into amps, which is power. But there are disadvantages. One of them is that you will need a more expensive MPPT controller because it will need to be able to handle that higher voltage, and a lot of the inexpensive ones can't. The other thing is a problem called shading. So let's say you find the perfect campsite and you park next to the river and everything's beautiful, and there's a tree overhead, which is great because it provides shade right outside your van. But there's this one branch that puts shade across your solar panels, and a system that's wired parallel, it will simply ignore that shaded part. You're going to lose the power from those cells that are under the shade, but that's fine. On a serial system, it's going to draw a line and cut off all the power that's being produced before that shade. So if you trace the wires, as soon as you hit shade from where the wires go in, that's all you're getting for power. So your 400 watts of solar might suddenly be 50 watts of solar, depending on where that shade is, even at high noon. Whereas your parallel system will just lose that 5 to 10%, maybe. One other consideration is that if you wire in series you will be able to use smaller wires. But honestly, you should always use 10 amp wires with solar unless you're doing a really long run because that's what they come with. I mean, that's what they're rated for. So I hope that difference helps out. Certainly look more into it if you're thinking about doing a large system. But for the serial versus parallel question, that's the basic difference. Tails from the road. This is definitely a tale I've told before, but it's one of the crazier tales, and I do have a small update, so I thought. So I thought I would tell it again. So in 2019, when I first started this Aurora project, I headed out west, and I had just left Aurora, Utah, and I was looking for a place to camp, and then I decided to go camp at Severe Lake. This is a very large, mostly dry lake bed in the central western part of Utah, and I found a decent campsite online and went to check it out, and it was actually a very nice little campsite. Uh, you leave the main road there, which is US-50, and then you drive down this very well-maintained dirt road, dodge a bunch of jackrabbits that were everywhere, and then you camp on this bluff overlooking the dry lake bed, although don't drive on it, it usually is mud not really hard pan, it's not like Bonneville Salt Flats At any rate, I pull in, and there's nobody around, it's completely silent, but there's this really bright light in the distance, like towards US 50. And I had passed that spot, so it wasn't something I saw from US 50, I could only see it from my campground on the lake. And I didn't think much of it, I figured that somebody else was camping out there, but fairly far away, I didn't really understand why they needed such a bright light. Anyway, I slept through the night, it was completely fine, got up in the morning, explored a little bit, and then decided to take a different road back to us-50 sort of in the direction of that light and basically drove around the lake and then right near us-50 there was this area that had been carved out into a bowl like from a bulldozer and in there was a boat (laughs) a motorboat kind of like the kind of boat that you would use to go water skiing this was kind of a strange place to find a boat i imagine it was an old boat that somebody didn't want but as i walked around the boat it got stranger It was spray-painted with graffiti, which isn't that surprising, but there was clothing there. At first I found a dress, and then I found a bright red brassiere, and then some panties, and then a very long black wig, and they were just kind of strewn about near the boat. And that's all the information I have. So I'm left with my imagination. And this is, I am pretty sure, where that bright light was coming from. So the only thing that makes any sense to me is that somebody was shooting some sort of weird amateur pornography out in the desert and just left their crap behind. I could be wrong. It could have been just a party. It could have been a weird photo shoot. I don't know what's going on, and I've never been able to find out any information about it ever. But in 2021, continuing the Aurora trip that someday I will finish, I went back through that area and made a point to stop and see if the boat was still there, and it wasn't. The boat is gone. In fact, I can't find the boat in any satellite imagery at all, so it wasn't there for too terribly long. So... I hope nobody was murdered, but I honestly don't know what happened there that night. And if anybody knows anything, boy, I would sure like to hear about it, because that was weird. Product Review Okay, this is technically a paid product review. A company by the name of Set Power mailed me a free refrigerator so that I would review it. Now, they didn't attach any conditions to that. All they said is, hey, we'll give you a free refrigerator if you review it on your podcast and on YouTube. YouTube video is coming, so they sent me an AJ30, which was the size I recommended, and I have to say it's the perfect size. It is your standard Chinese-built 12-volt compressor fridge. It has two compartments one that will be warmer than the other a smaller compartment and then a larger compartment that's roughly a cubic foot in size what's nice is that the compartment is tall enough that you can put a half gallon of milk with no problem and even a wine bottle it'll stand up in there there's actually two little recessed areas to hold wine bottles It'll hold a few six-packs, and in my experience, it draws very, very little power. I mean, this is the kind of thing that you could power off of a good-sized Jackery with no problem, as long as you have a way to charge it. Now, these fridges are becoming very common. What sets this one apart from all the others? And I think it's the company. Now, when I bought those other fridges that I mentioned earlier, there was no support, really. I couldn't find anything online about them. I couldn't even find an owner's manual for them. Setpower is much, much better at this. They have a website, they have a support network, they have phone numbers, and this one little weird thing gives me hope that this is an excellent company that we should pay attention to the fridge came with van life stickers. And while that seems like a silly little thing, it actually shows me that they really want to be part of the growing van life movement in a way that the other manufacturers don't seem to get. They are advertising to truckers and for people driving in their cars. Set Power is focusing on van life. And right now I think they're trying to make an impression. So this is my new fridge. My other two fridges are gone. This is my main new fridge now i'm going to use it all the time i think it's a great fridge to look at if you're interested in a fridge and of course they come in other sizes but what interests me most about this is the company they look like they're going to make inexpensive and yet decent quality products for all of van life and that interests me greatly so take a look at set power and yes, I do have a code. I have a at least at least a twelve percent off code. You might be able to get more off depending on what specials they're running, but you will at least get twelve percent off if when you purchase this you use the code built to go. Hey, that's a shocker. I'll have a link in the show notes. Folks, I would not recommend this fridge if I didn't think it was a very good fridge. And I do think it's a very good fridge. And I am going to look at set power for a lot of future products. And again, the fridge I have is the AJ30. This is a midsize fridge. The door opens long ways and is on a chain, which is nice, so you can't accidentally rip it off. It does have a light, so that when you open the door, the fridge is lit up. The main compartment is about one cubic foot, and it has a basket you can pull out, so you can... Take out all the food and close the fridge to keep the cold in there, mess with your food, or maybe load your fridge up, whatever you're going to do, and then open the door and put the basket back in. That's a pretty good way to deal with it, and it's also nice because you can put your fridge in a maybe less convenient place and just move the basket to where you need it. And I really like that it has the two separate compartments, the warmer area and the colder area, because I'm always struggling with wanting to have my soda super cold, but not have my lettuce freeze. And this has like, I'll call it the lettuce shelf. (laughs) They should market that with patented lettuce shelf. But yes, it has that. And that's a huge thing for me for vegetables and things like that. Quality seems to be very good. It has handles and wheels, but you don't have to attach them, which I think is great. It comes without them attached. And depending on your build, you may not want to have handles and wheels because you might have it in a drawer or in a cabinet or something like that. Honestly, it's everything you could want in a inexpensive 12 volt compressor fridge resource recommendation really quick because i'm running out of time here i see over and over and over again people saying hey what insurance company should i use progressive won't insure my van geico won't insure my van ah what do i do and the answer i keep seeing coming up and my answer as well is state farm For whatever reason, State Farm seems to be much more flexible in insuring these rigs than anybody else. I don't know why that is. I don't know why they think it's a better market position for them than for other folks, but that's what they're doing. Now, I've used State Farm for 20 years. I don't really have any bias. All I can say is that they have been a responsible company for those years but I'm certainly not getting paid to promote them or anything like that. I am just sharing with you this phenomenon I've noticed, which is that State Farm will insure your rig. So if you're having trouble finding someone to insure your rig, go find a State Farm agent, talk to them. And one trick, if you're really desperate, is to not tell them anything about the vehicle at all. Just give them the VIN and ask for a quote, and that's it it now they may not insure the things inside your van unless you have a homeowner's policy as well but if you're just trying to get the basic vehicle insured that's a sure-fired way for them to do it and i have never heard of them having a problem with you having a commercial vehicle whatever the heck that is i know what it is i'm just annoyed that we have this distinction so hey you might as well give them a shot it can't hurt Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 109. I will have links in the show notes for all the stuff I mentioned on this episode, and there'll be a lot of links this week. And I've run out of time, so we'll talk about how to visit Tatooine next week. Music, as always, is by Simon Wagg. And, wow, it is easy to think these are dark times, so I found a quote that I really like. So until next time, remember these words by Carl Jung. Dawn is born at midnight.